Hello and welcome to the Extra Club podcast. This is the podcast where we don't just motivate and inspire you, but we also give you practical hints, tips and strategies on your way to finding your extra to become extraordinary. We are relationship and behaviour experts and professional coaches Mark and Nikki Taylor and each episode we will discuss different challenges, issues and problems that we all face. And give you solutions, hints, tips and strategies that give you the extra in your life to make you happier, healthier and more successful. So let's get started. So welcome back everyone. It's great to be here, isn't it Mr Taylor? It's fantastic to be here. And do you know something, Mrs. Taylor? It's spring. It is. Spring has definitely sprung, hasn't it? Uh, well, in the UK it has. The sun come out. I feel it may be temporary, but I'm optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> but spring has sprung. We're going in the right direction. We certainly are. Anyway, back to the back to the thing in hand, which is this week's podcast. And this week we're talking all about something that uh, we have a lot of people talk to us about and ask questions about, which is imposter syndrome. So over to you, Mr. Taylor. Well, the thing is, you see, um, imposter syndrome is, is, is one of those things which I actually think that everyone has experienced this type of thing sometimes in their life. You know, I know I have, and I know you have from what you said. Yes. And so it's a very important topic to talk about. You know, and and we were actually talking about this um, last week on the first two days of our personal evolutionary coaching program. It came up, um, as you know, Mrs. Taylor, when we did an exercise looking at what could stop them actually from personally becoming an extraordinary coach. Amongst other things, someone said imposter syndrome, and a lot of people in the group actually agreed. Now, they which, did, which isn't unusual which isn't unusual. And, no, and, it's and that's why I think we love what we do on that program because we assist people with getting rid of those type of things. But anyway, so what, what is it? Well, it's what it says on the tin, really. <laughs> it is when we feel like an imposter, yep. um, a, a fraud, maybe. Not worthy um, to be in a certain position. So when people are feeling that way, you know, what are the, the common feelings? Because I think not everybody would necessarily identify with the phrase, yet they would experience certain things within themselves. So from your experience, what does it involve? Well, for me, it involves feelings of self-doubt and feelings of personal incompetence, you know, that persist this Despite your level of education, despite your previous accomplishments, you have those self-doubts and those feelings that you're not good enough, really, you know? And and also it comes with a voice, an internal voice for me. You know that voice, right? The one that tells you things like, you're not supposed to be here, or you're not good enough, or you don't belong here, or, or you're a total fraud. And sooner or later, everyone is going to find you out. That was a big thing for me at one stage, that maybe people would find me out, that I wasn't as good as they thought I was. And you see, the problem is it stops you in your tracks. And that voice just makes you doubt yourself. And the interesting thing is that if you've ever felt like an imposter, then you're actually not alone. You know, I, I remember way back as a young police constable, 
Um, I know I don't look old enough to have been a young police constable. What do you mean? You're a young... Well, you would be a young police constable now, wouldn't you? I would be. I'd be a very young police constable. But, uh, yeah, if you take back to that time, and I was patrolling the streets in Coventry, and that nagging voice of doubt was in my head, and I was feeling very insecure. Until one day, I was talking with another officer who had been in, been in the job a lot longer than me. And they said, you know, there are lots of days when I actually feel a total fraud. And that one day I'll get found out that I'm not as good as everyone actually thinks I am or, or tells me. By them saying that actually gave me great comfort to know I wasn't alone, as I thought that I was the only one. Uh-huh. And, and over the years, it became apparent that imposter syndrome affected many, many more people than I would have ever thought possible, especially after they were newly promoted. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's perhaps worth sharing my experience, you know, because I've experienced something similar. And it was after I'd been newly promoted. And the thing for me was, I had left on the Friday at one at one particular grade. And then I'd gone in on the Monday morning with no extra experience, no um, extra training. And, and the expectations of me at that point were completely different. I was expected to think differently. I was expected to take more responsibility. I remember sitting there thinking on the Monday morning, oh my goodness, you know, people are expecting me to be different. And I didn't feel different inside. And in those days, I wouldn't have labeled it as imposter syndrome. I just felt, oh my goodness, you know, people surely know that I'm feeling this way and mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to fulfill people's expectations, um, especially because I felt that they'd put a lot of faith in me as uh, as being promoted. And I just didn't feel that I was able to deliver at that particular time. And it was something I think I had to grow into. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it's a really interesting thing, isn't it? And as I say, there's lots of people who go through it. But the thing is, although... Like when I think back to my time, although I had comfort in knowing that it wasn't, I wasn't the only one, mm-hmm. it didn't actually solve it. Yeah. it. It was still there, you know. Yes. And, um, you know, I, I, it was interesting because on the TV, there was somebody talking about mental health and they told, oh, problem solved is a problem half. Well, often it's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's actually, it, it, it can be, yeah, okay, you may feel a little bit better about it, but it's still there. And you still oh. got to deal with it, you know, because even though I knew it, I still overanalyzed any decision that I made. And, and I think what I was looking for was something which is probably impossible, which is the right decision, because yes. you, you, you never know <laughs> what was the right decision. And, and and I think when you're going through this, you have people telling you like how good you are and how confident you come across, but their perception isn't your perception. And with me, it just actually made it worse because you even start to dismiss compliments uh, about your achievements and, and maybe put them down to luck. I know I did, or, or, or that anyone could have done it. it. You know, to me, it seemed, well, anyone can do what I could do. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. and, and you dismiss it you know when people go oh, I've done a really good job you go yeah but or mm. or and you don't actually you don't actually say thank you no and I think that's the thing because you don't actually believe inside if you if you're feeling a, a bit of a fraud and you're, you're always analyzing whether you've made the right decision or not particularly with the kind of work that you were doing in the past then I think it doesn't matter what people say because you've still got that self-doubt inside 
Yeah, you well, you just can't you just can't see it yourself. You just can't see any achievements, and you don't believe that you've achieved anything really. You you feel like that you're faking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you worry that everyone will eventually see the same thing. You may even feel that people are saying nice things just out of sympathy for you. Yeah, being uh, kind to you. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the problem is that it doesn't just go away, and usually it's accompanied by symptoms of what people call anxiety and and lack of self confidence, um, stress, and even depression and frustration. You know, because and 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 what you do is you look for strategies to be able to deal with it. And and a lot of people just I know I did this. I tended to work a lot harder. And put yeah. more hours in, in an attempt to feel worthy of the role, attempting to make up for not feeling as bright or as competent as those around me. And and and, and, and also, you believe by doing that, um, that the more you keep doing it, people will give you a bit more recognition. But the trouble mm-hmm. is, it never seems to work, you know, because you work harder than anyone else. But it doesn't it sort of ease the feeling of guilt that you believe that you're pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. Yes. It's a strange <laughs> thing, isn't it, when you when you break it down and you actually start talking about it. And I think that's one of the one of the challenges when people do think that they're the only people that feel that way. It, it's almost like a sign of weakness potentially or um, letting people down or you'll be even more vulnerable if you actually speak with someone about it because – but that's sometimes the very thing that might help you to feel a little bit better maybe. Yeah, maybe. But see, the, uh, I think one of the problems as well when you come up with these strategies of like working harder is is that actually it can make it – for me it made it even worse because I, I could see that I was having to work harder than everyone else – and I still didn't feel reassured that I, mm. I was good at what I did. Yes. <laughs> and you see others not working as hard and they seem so much better than you. Mm. Uh, and, and you've really lost that context, that, that sort of contextual placement of what you're actually doing compared to other people. Yes, indeed. Yeah. And another thing I think that happens is you strive for perfection in everything you do, yet you know at the same time that that's not achievable. And that it can all lead to burnout and overwhelm due to the continuous effort it all takes. And it just becomes a vicious sort of cycle. As we say in, in NLP terms, what the thinker thinks, the prover proves. And we always prove ourselves right. And, and I think also what I did was I would, even though I'd put my success or perceived success down to luck, I disproportionately blamed myself when things went wrong, when there were mistakes. And even small errors seemed to reinforce my lack of ability or, you know. It's a strange thing, perfection, isn't it? Because it doesn't, it doesn't exist yet. There are so many people. I mean, if you think about the number of coaching clients we've had over the years, the number of people who have come onto our programs, and they genuinely are expecting perfection. Yeah. Oh, yes. And it never happens. And it doesn't. It doesn't. It isn't achievable. You no. know. And as you say, people who are then putting in more work and um, you know doing long hours in an attempt not to make mistakes. Yet that perfection just is. It, it isn't possible. 
We see, I actually feel exhausted just talking about this. <laughs> so, so I, I actually think what we should do is talk about how do you deal with this? Because oh, that's a really good, really good idea, Mr. That Taylor. That will give me energy instead. <laughs> Go for it. How, yeah. So how, how do we deal with it? How do we change the way we are? Well, well, my first thought is, is that it would actually be best to have some sessions with a coach who's actually trained in personal evolutionary coaching. I was going to say, so if someone was, was to do that, what would be the benefits? Well, the thing is, it, it gets to the root causes of, of the problem. because, and, and I think that's what the problem is when we're left to our own devices. We look to just put sticking plasters on things. So I think if you go with a personal evolutionary coach, then they'll get to the root cause of the problem. Or even better, um, I think people should take the program themselves because they clean up their stuff and gain new skills. And now that, that to me would be the easy way. And if at the current time that isn't available to you, then I think um, it is about coming up with strategies to deal with what could be called um, a lack of confidence in our abilities. So, for instance, if you start a new job role, be kind to yourself and realise that you're learning, when you learn anything new, you've got to go through a natural learning process. It takes time. You have to have training, you have to have knowledge and then repetition to become competent or confident at anything, anything in life. So you may at the beginning be aware that there seem to be more things that you can't do easily than you can actually do. I and think that's a really good point, actually, because when we start, if if someone starts a new job and, you know, we're in the workplace, we have we don't have a lot of expectations of them. You know, we are really supportive and we're helpful and or you'd like to think that we would be. Um, and so people then are in a position where the expectations are low until they actually learn. Yet when we put ourselves in that position, it's a completely different thing. We expect to be performing 110% right from the word go. So maybe it's about treating ourselves as we would then have the expectations of someone else in a new role. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're starting something new, it, it really, the, the thing to do is actually identify where your gaps are. Mm. So so where are your gaps in knowledge, let's say, and and then what you need, and, and then come up with a plan to be able to then plug those gaps. Because what that will do is start tipping the balance towards being able to do most things easily, which gives you more confidence. Yes, once you get that feedback and you see you're actually performing, that then gives you the confidence to continue, doesn't it? Yeah, and it may sound easy, but take the emotion out of it. Turn it into a process. Just get a little bit better each day. Set goals. Maybe keep a journal um, to monitor your progress. And, And every now and again, just take time out just to appreciate how far you've come, not just in your job role, but actually in life. So how far have you moved forward? That's a that's a great um, a great thing to say because I think that especially people who strive for perfection they just look at the things that they're not able to do and there's no recognition really and no reward for the things that they they no. do. And we see it with new coaches that we train. You know, they think they should be the finished article straight away, which sets them up to fail. They start comparing themselves to to others who have been coaching for years. Uh, you know, which can really knock their confidence. The thing to do is keep perspective of where you are on the journey. That's one of the biggest things that you can do. I mean, also, when you've got a new job, one of the first things that I looked to do after I'd sort of worked this out was find a mentor. Find someone who has done what you want to do, and you can use them as a sounding board. Let them lead you sort of step by step 
you know, to, to get you where you want to go. Oh, and the other thing is let go of perfection, as we said. You know, seeking perfection will just cause you to procrastinate and make you feel worse, you know. And and I think for me, there's the, it, it's one of those things to understand that no, there's no one um, singular clear cause of imposter syndrome, you know, feelings. It's rather a number of factors that combine to trigger it. Uh, the, the, the stems, it stems from, I think it stems from fear, a fear that we're yeah. not good enough. And that we'll or be, getting it wrong, maybe. Yeah, or fear of getting found out. You know, there is a theory that this fear stems from our evolution as, as humans as such, in that the theory is that as cavemen and women, we, we survived as being part of a tribe, a sort of safety in numbers. And then when we risk exposing ourselves by stepping outside of the tribe and outside of our comfort zone, or exposing ourselves to ridicule or rejection, we actually start to feel fearful. Now, this is one of the reasons why public speaking, I think, as well, is a major fear for the majority of people, because we're totally exposed. We're totally exposed as individuals, you know. When we train our coaches, we talk about what we call the prime directive of the unconscious mind. And the number one prime directive is to preserve our body. See, our brains are actually not primarily designed to make us happy. They're there to keep us safe. So, in fact, what you're doing is triggering a safety mechanism from what may be called our old protective brain, you know, but it's only a perceived fear rather than a woolly mammoth or a saber-toothed tiger waiting to get you. So the first thing to actually understand is that you're being influenced by a positive automated response to keep you safe. Once you understand this and make it conscious, you can start to rationalise this and actually look to reframe it. I think that's a, a, a great thing to, uh, to 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 keep in mind because that starts to put it into perspective, doesn't it? No, <laughs> of course it does. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the big thing with all this. It is perspective. I think that's. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, because it is all about perspective. Because that's what we tend to lose when we think we're an imposter, as you said earlier about we will give other people a break when they start a new job, but not ourselves, and we totally lose lose perspective and pile it onto the pressure onto ourselves. You know, and 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 I think. When we start to reframe that, what we can do is give the, it almost gives the negative voice a face and a name, you know. So when this voice speaks to us, expressing fear or negativity, we need to acknowledge it and thank it for trying to keep us safe and just appreciate that there's a positive intent. Behind. Do we do that in our heads or do we do it out loud? <laughs> yeah. Well, if you do it out loud on the train, then people might start looking at you. Or in the middle of a meeting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that might get some instant sick leave. You know. but, but the thing is, you see, when we know we're not placing ourselves in immediate danger uh, by applying promotion or, uh, for promotion or delivering a speech or starting a new role, we can actually take the potential negative story of I'm not good enough, let's say, or I can't do this or I don't believe it and ask ourselves, what do I choose to think instead? What do I choose to think instead of that? And something to think about is that our beliefs are formed of words and the stories that we keep repeating to ourselves over and over again. And maybe actually be formed as a result of someone else's um, beliefs, significant adults maybe, when we were young. And when we accept this, we can choose to change our thoughts and change our language to form a new belief that will better serve us. And I think sometimes when uh, there are significant 
um, adults in our lives, often they can pass on their beliefs and their fears, again, with the best of intentions for us so that we don't put ourselves into any any danger or, you know, maybe so we're not ridiculed or embarrass ourselves. But actually, that's not particularly helpful. And one of the other things that I think we can do as well is look at our body language. Because if we think about our thinking and change that internal voice, that's one way of doing it. But we can also change our body language and maybe consider looking at and what we call modeling um, the way confident people behave so that we check that when we're actually performing in our role, that we are given that sort of physiology and behavior of what a confident person looks like. Because uh, just by changing our body language and behaving like a pom- uh, uh, like a confident person, we can yeah. actually feel uh, more empowered and create a sort of image of ourselves. And that will, can stop the negative beliefs as well. You know? Yes. Um, yeah. and, and yes, imposter sy- syndrome may still rear its ugly head, but when we can shift our thoughts, maybe change our body language and focus on what we have to give and what we actually want to get from any situation, that nasty little voice will no longer have the power to stop us in our tracks. Yes. And I think, you know, if I was to give myself advice now, going back in time when I, you know, because I got several promotions after that, that was really, and used a different strategy, to be honest. But at the time, I think if I could give myself that advice now, it would just be about, you know, just trust yourself and then just, you know, go with the flow rather than putting yourself under even more pressure, you know, because it it's not, it's not helpful. It, it really isn't. And just be kind to yourself and then and accept that you may not be quite there yet, yet do all the right things which will give you that confidence and to be able to fulfil that role. Yeah, absolutely. And I would actually, given my time again, I'd actually learn far earlier NLP, timeline resourcing, hypnosis, personally reassuring coaching, because that whole package was when I started becoming self-empowered and I didn't actually then believe those internal voices and movies anymore. And now yeah, I can those old look, stories. And I can get everything into context and perspective. Well, I think there's loads and loads of tips there, Mr. Taylor. So if you were just to summarise with one thing, where would people start right now? As I said, I I would start by actually learning and and training in mind-empowering techniques. That's where, Mm -hmm. given my time again, that's where I would go because that's what it's about. It's about, if not, you're having to put sticking plasters on it. And do it through sheer willpower. Say again. Do it through sheer willpower otherwise. Oh, yes, because if you're doing it through sheer willpower, then uh, that just hurts. Good stuff. Well, that's fabulous, Mr. Taylor. Thank you for sharing all of those things. And hopefully you guys have found this um, useful. It's an extended podcast today, Mrs. Taylor. I know, I know. We could have kept going for at least another half an hour, couldn't we? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So I think we better go, Mrs. Taylor. So till next time. Oh, by the way, folks, if you've enjoyed this, tell other people. And um, if you feel so inclined, it'd be great if you left us a review and we look forward to speaking with you very soon bye for now take care bye then that was the extra club podcast we hope that you're leaving with some great things that can help you in your life every day 
To get more invaluable content, please make sure that you're subscribed to the show on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode and feel so inclined, please leave us with a five-star rating and comment with a review. If you see the value, please also share it with someone else who needs it. Sharing is caring. Thank you for listening and making your choice to find your extra. Until next time, bye bye for now. now.